Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Tipping point's all about the fact that in every area of our life, we're one decision away from tipping the scales in the right direction. And I'm going to just show you in each lesson some different areas of your life and how you can tip the scales. So today I want to begin with something that was a phenomena in the 90s. It was this. It was called the Magic Eye Pictures. How many of you guys remember Magic Eye Pictures? And when you look at this, it's beautiful, but it just doesn't look like anything, right? But if you looked at it the right way, there was a hidden picture back there. It was absolutely amazing. So I ordered some uh, for this lesson. And... uh, This is what's up on the screen, right? And they gave me six different techniques to use to try to see the hidden picture. The first five didn't work, but that sixth one, it was awesome. They said, look through it and then squint and then move it slowly and slowly. And then all of a sudden, it just hit a spot where I saw the hidden picture and it blew my mind. Here's the hidden picture. It's this horse, but here's what you want to understand. It doesn't come out in grayscale. It comes out in all those five colors, and it is three-dimensional. It's absolutely mind-blowing. And when I hit it and I saw it, I thought, whoa. And you know what? Today we're going to talk about hidden pictures in our lives, because all of us have some hidden things in our life, these hidden pictures. And I'm going to show you the tipping point to help you see them. But just to help you begin to, de- to discover that you might have them, just answer, answer some of these questions. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever thought, I can't see why my friendships are so unhealthy? There's a hidden picture. How about this? I can't see why people don't want to be close to me. There's some kind of hidden picture there. I can't see why I'm about to lose my third job in three years. Now, sometimes we lose our jobs, right? Because companies downsize, they merge, the economy's terrible. But if you're losing jobs and they're just replacing you with another person, there's a hidden picture. How about this one? I can't see my, why my marriage is falling apart. There's a hidden picture there. How about this? I can't see why I'm in debt. There's a hidden picture. And one more, I can't see why I feel so spiritually dead. We're going to talk about hidden pictures. As a matter of fact, I titled this lesson, The Clarity Decision. We're going to talk about a decision you can make so you can see what what you can also call your blind spots, because we all have these blind spots. So This is my big idea. This is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. It will change your life forever. Here's how it goes. You can't see what you can't see. Isn't that profound? Now, if you could see it, you'd see it, but you can't see what you can't see, and the reason you can't see what you can't see is because you can't see what you can't see because it's a blind spot. So if you knew what it was, it wouldn't be a blind spot anymore, right? So you can't see what you can't see, and that's a big, big revelation that you and I have to have so God can take us where he needs to take us in this area. So I'm researching for this lesson, and I found out that every one of us in this room, we have a blind spot on each of our retinas. Each of your eyes has a blind spot. But when both eyes are open, one eye covers for the other, so you never see it. If you close an eye, you won't see it because your brain is so sophisticated, it will take the colors around your blind spot and the images and fill in the blind spot. But they have this blind spot test. So I took this test. You see it up on the screen. It it was so cool. I did it on a computer screen, my laptop. I'm not sure if it would work on a small phone screen, but I took this test. And what they tell you to do is like, if you cover your right eye, you have to look at the plus sign on the right and you start here and then you just 
going and you're looking like, and boom, I saw my blind spot and I was like, whoa. I tricked my brain to where it could not cover it up anymore because you can't see what you can't see. So we're going to help you see what you can't see today and show you what you need to do. And I want to open up with a Bible character. This guy is one of the most famous people in the Bible, but he had a huge blind spot. And everyone in this room, everyone listening online, everyone on Boardman campus, we all know who he is because they've made movies and cartoons. His name is Moses. And Moses had a huge blind spot. And I'm going to tell you up front what his blind spot was, and then I'm going to show you. You know what his blind spot was? He had a blind spot of pride. He was just dealing with pride slash a God complex. And that's, that's what Moses had. And, and God had to open it up to him, and it's amazing how he did. But I got to thinking about why, why would Moses have this blind spot? And if you look at his history, it's pretty easy to understand. You know, Israel was slaves. They were slaves in, in Egypt. And so the Pharaoh of Egypt said, I want every Hebrew boy that's born to be killed because they're just too numerous and we want to just kill all the boys. So Moses' mom couldn't kill him. She built this little ark kind of little boat for an infant and she heard that Pharaoh's daughter's baby died. So that would be a princess, right? And the princess was out in the morning bathing her, uh, near the river there and her, her baby just died. So Moses' mom just put him in there and he floated down and she took him and raised him as her own son. He grew up in a palace. He grew up privileged. He grew up in the best schools, the best education. He, he, he had a posh lifestyle, right? And then he became a very great general. He became just a very brilliant man. So you can see why he could have some pride issues. Then even when God took him to the backside of the desert, think about this, guys, takes him backside of the desert, a bush burns, but it doesn't, it's not consumed. And God speaks to him through a bush that keeps burning that's not consumed. That's pretty privileged, right? Then God sends him back to Egypt and said, talk to, to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And if he doesn't, I'm going to give you plagues. And he, he, would just, he would just put one plague after another. He put 10 plagues on Egypt. And finally, Pharaoh said, all right, get lost. Get out of here. And so Moses said to the children of Israel, he said, go knock on every Egyptian's door and tell them, I want all your silver, all your gold, and all your clothes. And, and the Egyptians said, yeah, just get out of here. They gave it all to him. That was God's way of paying him back because they weren't paid as slaves. So now they're leaving and they go the route of the Red Sea. And it's not an ocean. Just think Lake Erie. It's just this huge lake. And they were going to go around it. But then Pharaoh changed his mind, and Pharaoh is coming down on them with his chariots, his horses, his armies. And Pharaoh had decided, we're just going to kill all these Hebrews. So God said to Moses, take your staff, just go like that. And God split the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry land. And the Egyptians are chasing him, and when the last Hebrew touched dry shore on the other end, all the waters came and killed all of Pharaoh armies, Pharaoh himself, and Miriam wrote the psalm, the horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. Man, if I lived a life like that, I might have a blind spot of pride slash a God complex because God used him greatly, right? So here he is, and they're in the wilderness now. We don't know how much time passed. Could be a month, could be six months, but he had sent his wife to her father and his kids because when he was doing the 10 plagues thing, he wanted to protect her. So she's with her father, Jethro. And this is not Jethro Gibbs from NCIS. This is, this is Jethro, the priest of Midian. And uh, this guy knows God. He's full of wisdom. So Jethro brings Moses' wife, his daughter, and his kids back. They have dinner. They talk. And Moses says, this is what God did. And, and he's finding out what his kids and his wife have been doing. Then they all go to bed. 
And they wake up the next morning, and here's what Jethro sees. Take, take a look at this. Here's what he sees. It's Exodus 18, 13. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. Now the word judge means counseling. He's counseling people. You know what the historians tell us? When Israel left Egypt, they had about 2.5 million people. Can you imagine how many people that is? The Mahoning Valley, which is Mahoning County, Trumbull County, Columbiana County, we're just under 600,000. So that's three plus times bigger than this valley that we live in. And he was counseling everyone. So can you imagine how many of us hate sitting in a doctor's office for an hour, right? Can you imagine from morning till uh, evening from sunrise to sunset people are waiting Moses is dealing with it Moses in my opinion should have been worn out the people should have been worn out so Jethro wakes up and notice what happens Exodus eighteen fourteen. when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people he slapped him on the head and said you're breaking rule 22 right that's what that's what Jethro Gibbs would say how many of you watch NCIS right don't do that buddy no here's what he said uh, what is this you are doing for the people why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around from morning till evening. He saw his blind spot instantly. And what a question. And when, when I read this, I think, come on, Moses, see it. See it, Moses. He, he didn't see it. And his answer is crazy. And that's how you know he has a blind spot of pride slash God complex. Here's his answer. Verse 15, 16. Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, notice what I underlined, they come to me. Listen, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's de decrees and instructions. This guy has a blind spot, and he's so blind that he says, no, they need me. And what I would have said if, if that were me, I would have said, Jethro, I'm beating my head up against the wall. I don't know what to do. I am so frustrated. I'm so tired. I'm worn out. I have, I have counseling appointments for two years out, and these people are frustrated, and I can't get to all the people. No, he said, I'm the only one that can do that. That's a pride slash God complex, and we all have these blind spots. So listen to what Jethro says to him. It goes on to say in verse 17, uh, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to verse 19. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. And the, the Hebrew literally means God will bless you. That's why I placed that in parentheses. He said, you must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. That's in a prayer closet, just praying for them. Verse 20, teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. Now, here's what he said to Moses. Moses, here's your job. You have to pray for the people and you have to stand on a platform and teach the people. You cannot counsel the people. He's telling them, you can't do this on your own. And Moses is so stuck on, he's the only one that can do it with his blind spot. He's not seeing it, but listen to what he goes on to say. He says in verse 21, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who, have, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. This is where connect groups were created, guys. This is, this is where 
God, God created it all. And this is where God said, you know what? You need to delegate. Great leaders delegate, and they raise other leaders up. But if they think they're the only ones that can do it, they'll never delegate. They'll never have anybody else released to use their gifts and their abilities. So this is so encouraging to me because this is what our connect groups are. This is us delegating to people that have incredible gifts. Let me tell you something I hate so much pastoring a larger church. I, I, I do not like this. I struggle with it, but I also know it's something that has to be. I love doing weddings. I love to perform weddings. I love to perform funerals. That might shock you, but I like the opportunity to speak life into people during those difficult times. And I love to do hospital visits, and I can't hardly do any of those because I have to do what God created me to do, which is I need to pray, need to prepare messages, need to stand on the platform. But man, what I noticed is when you release other people to do it, it's even better than if I did it. I would love to teach all the connect groups, but I can't, right? So, but it, the people doing it are doing a way better job than I would do it. And so that's what he's telling them to do. Now, here's the question. This is a tipping point moment in his life. How's he going to tip, right? Here's, here's what it goes on to say, verse 24. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. I like verse 27. I had to put it here. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, sent him. And Jethro returned to his own country. Here's why I love this. It's kind of like Moses said, you know what? You're right, pops. I see it. I'm going to make some changes. He made, he, it was a tipping point moment. But I can only take one blind spot being revealed per year. So take off. Come back to see your, your daughter and your grandkids next year because that's all I can handle. And I just thought that was so humorous. But here's the part I want you to see. Moses agreed. He saw it. God revealed a blind spot to Moses, and that changed his life. So I came up with what I call the four tipping point moments for you to see your blind spots. There's four of them. And if you and I can just make a decision to do these four things, we will, we will be able to see our blind spots. God will help us see them. So here's, here's the first one. We have to accept we have blind spots. You have to accept you have blind spots. Now, it's tough to accept reality sometimes, right? So I'm going to be very transparent with you right now. I'm going to tell you something that, that you know, could bring a little shame to me, but, I, but I, I have to do it for the message's sake. Um, as a younger man, all the way up to four years ago, I could go to any parking lot anywhere, park my vehicle, and it would be perfect. Uh, I would never go past the line in the front. I would never stick in the back. I would never be over on either side. Just... Just my depth perception was just naturally good. And I'd just pull up and, and, and I'd get out and it was perfect. And I'd walk into the store like, man, look at all these amateurs around here. Nobody knows how to park, right? And, and then about four years ago, I would begin to park. And I'd get out of my vehicle and I was a foot and a half over this way. Or my rear end was sticking out a foot and a half. Or I was, and I'm like... That's never happened in my life. And I remember when it first began to happen, I was like heart sick. Then I have to get back in and keep adjusting it till I get it right. I pulled in this morning and I thought, I've got to hit one, just one. And I pulled in and I get out and I'm a foot and a half too far. Now, last night there was a guy in church and he saw me in the lobbies and he said, hey, he said, you drive a two-door Jeep Wrangler. How can you not get it in the middle the first time? <laughs> 
But his wife, was, he said, I was almost going to shout that out loud. I said, you should have. I said, that's how bad it is. But his wife was standing there, and she said, he's having the same problem. He just turned 54. And I said, what are you picking on me for? He's having the same problem. But you know what I had to do? I had to accept I have a depth perception diminishing problem. There's something there that's changing, right? You have to do the same thing with your blind spots or you'll never see them. You have to accept that you have, and notice how it's plural. You have blind spots, I have blind spots. Hey, listen to Romans 12, 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, Paul, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest with your evaluation of yourself. See, that's so important. Measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. This is a beautiful text about body gifts and how we all have giftings God gave us. But the principle is all about us realizing that we are not perfect in all areas of our life. And to be open to God helping us, other people helping us see our imperfection. Now, what's really crazy about this is the Apostle Paul, who wrote nearly three quarters of the New Testament, he had a huge blind spot. He had a perfection uh, one chance blind spot. If somebody did something wrong, he wrote them off forever. And that's how he was in the beginning. Now he grew and he changed, but he was in ministry with Barnabas. The two of them went from country to country. They shared Christ where Christ had never been shared. And they were having all these people accept Christ for the first time. And they were a great team. They had this guy on their dream team of volunteers. His name was John Mark. And John was awesome. But you know what John said one day? He said, I'm going to take a break from ministry, and I'm going to just go hang out with my, my, my family. And uh, Paul was ticked. I mean, really ticked. Because John Mark came back. We don't know if it was six months, eight months, a year, but he came back later. And Barnabas was so excited. He's like, yeah, John Mark, you're so awesome. We have John Mark back. And he went to Paul, and Paul said, no way. He failed. We won't take him back. I've washed my hands of him. He had this perfection slash one chance blind spot. And him and Barnabas fought so hard that Barnabas finally said, you know what? I'm taking John Mark and I'm going into my own ministry. They literally split their ministries over John Mark. But we know Paul eventually saw the blind spot because later on at the end of his life, he said, bring John Mark. He's very helpful to me in the ministry. Now, if the guy that wrote nearly three quarters of the New Testament had a blind spot, how many of us think we might have one? We have to accept we have a blind spot. Here, here's the second thing. You ready? Uh, we have to ask God to reveal our blind spots. And this is really, really important. I think I shared this six months ago or so for another reason, but I'm going to reshare a story. About six months ago, I took my grandson, Joey, who's eight. I took him to Tilt Studios, and that's in the mall. It's a big gaming place. And so we were doing different games. Then he wanted to play laser tag. And there was no one else there that wanted to play. Typically, you have four, five, six people. And, and the lady said, you guys can play each other. And I said, great. And they suited us up. And I just want to say, my grandson is one of the most sweet and kind people. He'll back off and he'll consider others before himself. But when he got in there, he turned into a monster. <laughs> he did. He whooped me silly. You know, if you get shot, your gun doesn't work. And he would shoot me, and, and I'd say, let my gun come back on. And he'd go, no way, and boom, 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 boom. He just never let me came back, come back to life, and he destroyed me. That's not what the story's about. Listen to this. When I walked in, I, I had this T-shirt. I ironed it before I left the house. It was spotless. Had to make sure I didn't have any oil spots from dropping food on. It was spotless. And I walk in, and they have black lights in there, ultraviolet lights. And I saw dust everywhere, just 
tons of dust. And I'm like trying to get all the dust off me. Like I've got cooties and I didn't even know I had cooties, you know. And it was crazy. Some, a guy in the lobby told me, guys don't have cooties, only girls. I said, give me a chapter and verse on that because I had, I had cooties everywhere, right? So the ultraviolet light, the black light, helped me see what I couldn't see. And God has an ultraviolet light. And if you and I ask him, he'll start to uncover our blind spots. So the first decision is you have to accept you have them. Second is you need to ask God. Here is a cool prayer. This is Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is all about the principle. Here's the principle. You and I can ask God to show us what we can't see. And that's the principle here. God, show me my blind spots. And you know what? God will do it. He'll shine that ultraviolet light. So you have to accept you have them, ask God. Here's number three. You ready? We have to allow people to help us see our blind spots. You have to allow people. Now, when it comes to people, you're going to have to be able to accept constructive criticism. And uh, sometimes that's pretty tough for, for most of us, right? So I, Gina didn't ask me to do this, but I, I knew she was doing a connect group called Crucial Conversations. And a crucial conversation is when you, you know, you're going to tell somebody something that they might not want to hear, but you're going to say it in a good way. And you learn to confront in a loving way. And you learn to receive back when someone does it with you. So if, if you have a tough time like that in, in that area, like I used to, I, I want to encourage you to take the class. Gina, Gina worked with me on it. Now, now she says she created a monster because I have a lot of crucial conversations with her. I just, we need to talk because I created a monster. And I said, yes, you did. Now, here, here, here we go. Here we go. Uh, there's three ways people, people will help you see your blind spots. Here's number one. It might come randomly. Isn't that what Jethro did? It came randomly, right? But it has to be someone you really love, someone you really respect. It, not just, you just can't walk up to someone you hardly know and say, you've got a blind spot in your life. You might get socked, right? You don't want to do that. But you have to understand the people you're close to, the people you love, they might randomly just point it out to you. And I love this scripture, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And part of the sharpening process is God using a friend to show us some areas in our life where we might have blind spots. So that's one way. Here's the second way. You can ask for a critique. Yeah, how am I doing? I did that recently with Gina. I was preparing this lesson. I thought, I want to just see, I want to practice what I'm preaching. And I, I said, so honey, how am I doing in our marriage? And there was awkward silence. <laughs> now, I've learned from being married almost 35 years, I've learned when there's an awkward silence, she's trying to think of a way to say something without hurting my feelings. And so after the awkward silence, she said, well, there's a couple areas. And she shared the areas. And I must say it hurt, but I've learned to accept that and so on and so forth. So you might ask somebody that you're close to, a friend, a mate, hey, how am I doing? Can I do better? And I love this scripture. It says this, Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You'd think a kiss would be better, but the wounds from a sincere friend they're, they're like when they point out the blind spots, that type of thing. It's just a sincere friend being honest with you. It hurts a little bit, but that's the only way we're going to grow. We have to accept we have blind spots. We have to ask God to reveal them, and we have to allow people to speak into our life. Here's one more way, and if this isn't happening in your life, man, I, just, I pray that it will, and, and that is this. It, it might come at work. 
it could just come at work. Um, here at Believers, we do reviews, uh, the, the leaders, whoever they lead. So we have them fill out quarterly reviews. So the guys I oversee and all, everybody does it with their leaders. They fill out a quarterly review. Now the quarterly review is them filling it out and they're, they're going through all these categories. And through that process, they can tell me how they feel. They can tell me what, what they think about my leadership. And we do that quarterly here. That's pretty cool. Then we do an annual, we call it an annual performance review. And uh, the leaders do that with the people under them. And there's 14 categories. And you can give someone anywhere from unsatisfactory all the way to excellent. And so I fill that all out. I write my little comments. Then I sit down with the leaders. And sometimes I'll just look at a leader and I'll say, you know, you're doing great here, but I noticed every time we're in a meeting, every single time we're in a meeting, and this comes up, you react the wrong way. And I just want to help you see why you're doing that, help grow you. So it really helps when you can do something like that at work and it helps grow people, right? So we have to allow people to help us see our blind spots. Here's, here's the final one. You ready? We have to accept constructive criticism, which is somebody saying we have a blind spot, right? So get a hold of this. 20 years ago, uh, I, I initiated what we called 180 reviews. So that, now we're doing, we're doing the performance reviews now and the, the, uh, the quarterly. 180 was even different. And everybody that was a leader in the church, I would fill out a review on them and then they would fill out the same one on me and then we'd sit down individually, right? And uh, we thought, Let's do this because it's going to help us become better and grow, grow each other. So be accountable to each other. So I'm sitting with one of our leaders, and they said this to me. They said, you are not warm. As a matter of fact, you intimidate me, and, and I'm uncomfortable around you. And I'm like, I'm like blown away. I'm really hurt. Uh, you're not warm, they said. And so I said, well, I know you're not referring to the temperature in my office, um, what does it mean to be warm? Because I want to know what you mean, because I'm not sure your definition of warm and mine could be two different things. So then they pointed out two people on staff. They said, so-and-so's warm, and so-and-so's warm. And I thought, they're the nicest people I've ever met. I just feel so good when I talk to them and walk away. And they said, you're nothing like them. <laughs> so... I was hurt. I didn't show them, but I was like, I don't agree with that, and I'm really hurt. So when it was all over, I went to talk to Gina, and I said, Gina, so-and-so said I'm not warm. And then they said, they compared it to this person and that person. I said, I don't see that. What do you think? And then it was that awkward silence. I'm telling you, it's been around my whole marriage, right? And uh, she's thinking, how to, so she goes, well, honey, so-and-so is very warm, and so is this other person. And they're much warmer than you, but it doesn't mean you don't have some warmth, honey. And uh, she said, I think it's an area where you could grow. And, and I was like, I hate these 180 reviews. And she's like, it was your idea, Joe. Well, we're going to toss this baby. But no, we kept doing it. And so um, that's 20 years ago. I think I've become a little warmer over that time. I've, I've had to work on it. But, you know, we all have different personalities. That was a blind spot in my life. And my personality is so I am so geared about, I have to get this done, I have to get that done. And, and I'm right in here thinking about what I have to do over here. And it's hard to be warm when you're that way. So God has had to work with me and show me that blind spot so I could, I could grow. So in the lobby when I'm greeting, you, you let me know if I'm warm or not, right? Because um, people are shaking my hand going, whew, you're on fire. So, so thank you, man. Here's a great scripture, Proverbs 12, 15. A fool thinks he needs no advice, but a wise man listens to others. And 
Whenever I read Proverbs and I hear the word full, here's the first thought to cross my mind. I don't want to be that guy, right? I do not want to be that guy. But I love being the person that's a wise person. And I read this for just one reason. You ready? The wisdom of God, being wise, we come to a place to where we listen to people's critiques of our life. Remember, they have to be close to us. So what's the tipping point? So you and I can see what we can't see? What's the tipping point? We have to accept we have blind spots. We have to allow God to show us our blind spots. We have to allow people to help us see them, and then we have to receive the critiques when they come our way. I believe God's spoken to people, Boardman warned. God's touched our hearts today, and he's going to grow all of us. So can we close our eyes, bow our heads, and let's pray, Lord, I did my best. And I know none of this is going to happen without the help of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. So, Father, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Here's our prayer today. And you just pray this out of your own heart and your way. But Lord, we just ask you to show us what we can't see. We accept the fact, yeah, we have blind spots and we need to grow. And we ask you to show us what we can't see. And Lord, send people that are close to us to help us. And Lord, give us the courage to help those we're close to when you allow us to see something that's a blind spot in their life. And Lord, help us to receive it, man, because that, that's still tough for me, and I've grown in that area, but help us receive it, Lord God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I believe God's speaking to hearts, dealing with hearts, and we just want to allow him to do that right now. Let's stand in attitude prayer. Borman Warren, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you walked in here today and you weren't sure of your, your, um, your future, whether if you were to die, if you go to heaven or hell. Maybe you weren't even sure if there was a heaven or hell. I want to give you an opportunity to change your life miraculously. Because the Bible does say that the God of this world, our enemy, he'll try to blind our eyes to Jesus. That's a to totally different type of blind spot. He'll try to blind our eyes to Christ. And I believe God's uncovering eyes today in both campuses. And he just wants you to see Jesus for who he is. And so I'm not asking you to join our church or religion. I'm not asking that. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm not asking that. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church, if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult, great things. It doesn't matter if you walked in an agnostic, uh, an atheist, not sure, a de-church person, none of that matters. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you made it real and personal with Jesus? You said, Jesus, I believe you're the Savior, and I accept you as my Savior. If you're here, you're in Borman, you say, man, I, I can't remember that day, but I'm ready today. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else, can we help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I need a Savior. And this day, I make a decision to accept Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you're the only way to heaven. I accept you as my personal Savior. And make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Now heads are bowed, eyes are closed, both campuses. If you're here and you prayed that prayer, miracles happened. Your sins were forgiven. Uh, God gave you the gift of eternal life. Heaven's your future home. It's really incredible. You know what else is happening right now? The Bible teaches us that all of heaven is celebrating. They're going crazy in heaven. God himself is celebrating. You know why? You become one of his kids. We become the children of God by placing faith in Christ Jesus. So heaven, heaven is excited. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.